Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. This is day one of the Statoil Masters Tennis. We spoke to you yesterday about 1997 when this first tournament first began and what was going on in the world back then. Catherine Whitaker revealed her fascination with the film Titanic and has been hearing about it ever since. Uh, actually, she, uh, if you remember, watched it three times at the cinema. We've since found out lots more about this, uh, this fascination with the film Titanic. Uh, but today we're going back even further in time, 10 more years back to 1987, when a certain Mr. Pat Cash was the name on everybody's lips. Hello, Pat Cash. Hello. I'm fascinated about Titanic. I mean, is this an original movie story or what, what happened? I mean, didn't, let me guess. Uh, hit an iceberg and went down? And you watched it, had to watch it three times? <laughs> the, the Titanic film, Pat, was, the, uh, was the, the, the frozen of the day, wasn't it, Catherine? Uh, because it, obviously a slightly sadder story more generally. But of that level of fascination, wasn't it? I tell you what, you'd have saved me a lot of time if you'd have been around back then to tell to tell me the plot. You'd have saved me three hours a pop every time I went. To that it would be nine hours of my life. You'd have you saved me. You fell asleep the other two times or something. You fell asleep. You you had to go three times to watch it to find out what happened in the end. Exactly. I'm always fascinated I, about people who I, watch movies. All the time. I couldn't get enough, Pat. I couldn't. I I just I oh. needed to relive me, the glory. Did you cry every time. Do you know what? I, I can't believe I'm adding I'm adding to the misery that I've experienced <laughs> in the last 24 hours since revealing, since using the word titaniac on the tennis podcast. But I have to reveal that the second time I went to see it, I cried in the opening credits. Because so, it evoked all the memories of, of the first time I saw it. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to get yourself into this, did you, Pat Cash? We'll be finding out what you were watching uh, back then. Yeah, what movies were in an 87? I'm not trying to think. I can't even... Well, we can tell you, oh, Pat yeah. Cash, because let us just say that we're here at the Statoil Masters Tennis, home of the Royal Albert Hall, where Pat Cash will be taking to the doubles court fairly soon uh, with Mansour Barami and Andrew Castle. It's going to be a cracking night's entertainment. Who else have you got playing tonight, Pat? Peter McNamara, uh, Mansour Barami, Andrew Castle, me. Uh, Xavier Malise is playing uh, Sergi Bruguera, I think, in the singles. That's right. And then you're playing John McEnroe tomorrow night, aren't you? I am. I'm playing Mac. Uh, we've played here a few times in the past and uh, pretty pretty even. I don't know what the score is. I've beaten him a couple of times. He's beaten me. So that was a few years ago. Um, can't promise any such results 
good results, but you know, we'll give it a shot, have a bit of fun. What, what, what is it? Get angry. What, what is it like out there to play on that court? It's, I mean, Andy Roddick got out there for the first time ever today. He'd never been to the Royal Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. Walked out onto the court and. He looked pretty awestruck by it. Yeah, well, Fernando Gonzalez is, of course, playing here in the singles. He said the same thing. He was, he was uh, blown away. He said, wow, I couldn't believe this place. He'd never been here before. It, it's actually quite tricky. To, for me, it's quite tricky to, to pick the ball up and the lights. But it's, it's a great atmosphere. I mean, really, it's something, something very special. You think uh, they used to play the doubles masters here. The doubles, like the ATP finals, the doubles masters many, many years ago, and I never got a chance to play that. So uh, uh, I've, I've racked, it up, racked a few miles up here over the years, though. We were going, uh, we were talking about 1987. Obviously, a special moment or a special year in your life. Does it feel, t- I think it's 27 years ago? Can you believe that? Yeah, it does. When I go out on the court and play these days, I feel, I, I you know, honestly, sometimes I, I go out there and I play and I practice or play matches and. And I get angry at myself. Oh, you know, I used to be able to make that. And I go, wait a minute, I'm 20 years, 27 years past my peak. <laughs> yeah, I got I to put some. Sometimes put it in perspective. Okay, I'm you know almost 30 years past my peak. Yeah, so give yourself a break. <laughs> now you're asking what was in the film yep. charts back then. I can tell you, we've been doing our research, Pat Cash. Three Men and a Baby was number one oh, in the goodness. box office charts. That was a cracking film. You know, I saw that twice at the cinema. What's your name? is Selleck, isn't it? Tom Selleck. And, and was it Tom Hanks as well? No, Tom Selleck, uh, Steve Guttenberg, and oh, yeah. Ted Danson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Steve Guttenberg. He was, he was, uh, he was in Police Academies, wasn't he? That's right. Wasn't he? Oh, that, that was funny. Yeah. That was funny. I like those ones. Yeah. Sorry, are the, the, are there, he wasn't. Was that him? Yeah, that was him. Absolutely right. And other films that were in the top five uh, in 1987 when Pat Cash won Wimbledon. Planes, Trains and Automobiles with Steve Martin. Fatal Attraction. Oh, I like that one. That's a beauty as well. That reminds me of some some people I know. I was going to say my ex-wife. She's overseas, but she She wasn't quite, she wasn't that bad. doesn't remind me of a couple of people <laughs> I do know. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about Michael Douglas part, of course. Yeah, it yeah. did actually coin a, a phrase, didn't it? Bunny boilers. Bunny boilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bunny boilers. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave that there. Uh, Cinderella was reissued apparently in uh, 1987, and The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Other notable film releases of 1987: Good Morning Vietnam, which was a classic and yeah. has obviously been uh, particularly poignant this year with the passing of Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah that, that's. Cool. Great movie. That is one of the all-time classics, isn't it? So some some real classics came out in '87, huh? What some else? important stuff happened in 1987. Yeah. You you chose the right year to win it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, was there a stock market crash? I think as well, wasn't there? Was there something or something? Something was going not too good in the finances. But I didn't really care. I made two hundred thirty thousand dollars or something to win Wimbledon. Oh, what do they make now? Three point something, I think. When you when you when you yeah. won it, were you? Something two hundred seventy thousand, maybe I made. But now, when Goran won Wimbledon, he went out all night, and and I remember Andrew Castle trying to doorstep him for the breakfast show that Andrew oh, Castle used to present yeah, yeah, and at yeah. seven in the morning. He found Goran coming home at seven in the morning oh, for an interview, and Goran said he doesn't even remember the interview. He was that drunk. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do the night after you won Wimbledon? Do you remember? Uh, well, we had you have the ball, of course. So you go you go to the the dinner, not the ball, the dinner. Uh, which Martina never had a lower one, but uh, I was, I was a um, uh, reasonably young new father, so my son was a year, just a year and a bit, and we came back to my house, which I just bought in Fulham. It was only uh, uh, yeah, I think I bought it earlier that year. 
So there wasn't an awful lot of furniture, a bit of a bachelor pad, um, but uh, you know, with my my partner had sort of shoved together a few things. So we had the front room. Um, what Fosters did, uh, I think it was through Neil Fraser, who was my Davis Cup captain from Australia. Uh, when I came home after I won, there was there was a, a floor to ceiling pile of Fosters, just just slabs of Fosters. This is there. beer for anybody who doesn't know. Oh yes, Fosters beer. Uh, well, and um, so there was more than enough. Believe me, it took me about a year. I'm not a huge beer drinker, so so everybody tucked into that. But I was exhausted. You know, I went. I actually, my my son was crying. Everybody's having a party downstairs, and I went upstairs and and just uh, grabbed him and and. Um, Put him in the, put him in my bed, and, and I fell asleep. People were like, "Come, my partner to come in and say, are you, are you there?'" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, you guys, guys have good, fun, good time." I, I came down afterwards, but I was, I was just exhausted. Everybody's celebrating, and I just was kind of wanted to go to bed, to be honest. Does that explain what it is like, you know, getting over that sort of mountain peak, or looking at the the players who won Grand Slam tournaments that year, and even Lendl won two of them, the French Open and the U.S. Open. And you beat him in the final that year. Does that explain that exhaustion? Does that explain not only the physical, but the mental, the psychological, emotional toll that it takes on you? For me, yeah, I was exhausted. I don't know how the guys, some of these guys do it, like Federer and Nadal. Um, I think the girls are a little bit easier, it's, you know, Serena, et cetera, because they, uh, they tend to have a few easier early rounds. But in the men's, it's just, you know, it's red hot all the way from from the first moment. And... I think a lot of it was expe- a lot of it was expectation on myself, but also Australia because we hadn't had any Grand Slam champions for quite a while, and we'd we'd had plethora of them for years, you know, we'd, all the way back from the early days, all the way through, you know, Rod Laver and John Newcomb was the last one before me, and so um, I think there was a lot of expectation on on, on me, and um, I sort of felt the pressure, and, and uh, you know, I was ex- I was absolutely exhausted and physically. Physically, you know, those few years beat beat me up, and and um, mentally, I'm still recovering from it. You know, <laughs> I'm not quite the same as I used to be. <laughs> Who is Catherine Whitaker? I can't ask you where you were when Pat Cash won Wimbledon. Don't say you born well, there. she what was born, thankfully, but just about. I was 18 months old. I can tell you where my parents were because I phoned them up earlier to check with them. I thought the answer was going to be gloriously exotic and the answer was going to be, because we were living in Sudan at that time, Uh, I thought the answer was going to be, oh, we were listening on a transistor radio in Sudan, you know, something like that. Actually, they were... um, they were on leave from Sudan in Bungie in Norfolk or Suffolk. Is it Norfolk or Suffolk? Uh, just to make it sound even more like an Alan Partridge uh, radio <laughs> show. They were in Bungie uh, watching on the telly. My dad specifically said he doesn't remember much about it. My dad's memory isn't as good as my mum, but he remembers the commentators talking about how you'd broken your leg the year before. Oh, my gosh. Am I oh, showing up my dad's terrible, yeah, terrible memory on the tennis podcast? Close. I had my appendix out the year before um, at, at, at Wimbledon, broke my leg. Yeah. So um, you've got plenty in common with Rafael Nadal, who's also had his yeah, appendix out. What's yeah, it like? Yeah, How long yeah. does it take to recover, Pat? Uh, well, I I had my appendix out and played two weeks later at Wimbledon and got to the quarterfinals. So I think Rafa will be all right. I think it's the <laughs> ana- I think the anaesthetic will be worse than what's the worst thing because sta- the anaesthetic actually stays in your system for three months. Yeah. I mean, the more exercise you do, the more you burn it up. It's a it's a poison. It really is a poison. It's it's uh, uh, what, what do they call that stuff? You know, you see in the movies, the chloroform, and they put 
put it they put it over your over your face and they they knock you out you know well that's basically what anesthetic is they've just refined it to the stage where now the people don't go and clunk and die <laughs> and it's basically the same th- the same thing so uh yeah chlorine chlor- chloroform chlorine and phosphorus so yeah chlorine so when you have your you're drinking you're drinking water you're drinking your chlorine and you put some phosphorus with it and boom you'd you die yeah so but what's so that when you're drinking local water so don't worry, Rafa fans. That is the message here. Pat Cash was here to, to win Wimbledon again. Exactly, exactly. Just watch out for that chloroform, Rafa. Just in case you get one of those bunny boilers from back from 1987 <laughs> after you. Absolutely, indeed. Now, I, I remember where I was in 1987. I was actually on school camp. I didn't get to watch this match at all, but I was listening on the radio with all my housemates. Now, we've got a few memories from other people. Tim Henman said that he was in his front room with his family. Everybody camped out in front of the television. Who was he supporting? That's the question. <laughs> Tim Henman was well, supporting who, Catherine? Well, first of all, he... he, he deadpan joked that he was supporting Yvonne but then he assured me afterwards that that was entirely a joke and that he was in fact supporting you but I mean we'll never really know the truth I mean Goran still thinks that I was supporting him in 2001 I've never I've never revealed the truth to total him. lie well I had a tricky one because it was Pat Rafter and Goran wasn't it in 2000, oh, but of course and that was uh I was, and I was commentating so I was, I was a, if you hear the hear his replays it'll be me and I think John Barrett. I'm not sure. I think it was John Barrett. Um, so we had, I had to sort of sit firmly on the fence, which I, which I was in actual fact. It was just a great match to watch. That's actually been my favourite Wimbledon final, to watch the Goran one. I, I tell him that all the time. He usually buys me a couple of beers at the end of the night so <laughs> for that. Like Sophie's Choice, that one, wasn't it? It was, mm. um, I mean, I would, I would love Pat Rafter to have finished his career with a Wimbledon. Mm. I, I wouldn't have wanted him to snatch it from the jaws of, I wish they both had a Wimbledon title. Let's put it that way. Yes, they both deserved it, didn't they? They're desperate to win. Go in three finals, and Pat won before, and uh, you know, being a great serve volleyer. But um, yeah, where were we? I tell you where we were. Toady was saying on a on a at tennis podcast on Twitter said she was driving from Sussex to Glasgow on a hot day. The sandwiches were melting after an hour, but she didn't care because Pat won. <laughs> Oh, good on you. Yeah, it was a hot day. One of the one of the the, the significant facts of I don't think anybody knows this, but um, it was because it was really wet before Wimbledon, so nobody really got much practice on the court. Playing a lot of indoor tennis, Queens eventually finished, and and uh, so and I'd actually played a lot of grass court tennis, played Davis Cup earlier in the year, and and, and Australian Open. So I'd actually had a lot of grass court matches under my belt. So I had a, got off to a good start. And then, and then as soon as Wimbledon came on, it's stinking hot, absolutely stinking hot. You know when it rains and then all of a sudden it comes out and it's a humidity and some almost unbearable here in the UK when that happens. And and uh, the courts browned up and dried off, just died. Also the grass just got smashed and it was all really dirty brown sort of slippery grass courts. And what, we played the semi-final. When we went, went, went on for the final... I looked at the courts and hit a couple of balls and I looked down and I noticed the court was kind of green. I thought, well, why is it, how's it, how's it become green? And I, I, after I hit a couple of balls and I slipped, I almost slipped and I went, what they'd done is they'd gone out to the side, side court or somewhere green, they'd got grass clippings, they'd mowed the lawn and sprayed and sprinkled green grass clippings on the, on the court. So it looked like it was green. 
And that just changed the court completely. It was like playing on clay. It was slippery. We were falling all over the place. So you watch the replay. We're, we're, we're sliding into shots like, like clay courts. This I, is I the final day, is it? Final, yeah. It was completely different. And, and I thought, well, you know, I mean, I suppose it's both the same for both players, you say, but it's, uh, I suppose I was a little bit more agile. And Ivan, I figured, okay, well, hopefully this is going to suit me. But it really would put your game off. It was amazing. Who was your toughest opponent over the years, would you say, Pat? The one that you really felt, oh, my God, how do I beat this guy? Mm, well, just about everybody at the end of my career, <laughs> was, was, I felt like that. Uh, the bit really big hitters started coming in. Um, I never got a chance to, to play Sampras, uh, lucky, lucky for him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, you know, the guy, guys like Agassi, uh, um, you know, obviously the massive big hitters from the back of the court. But Lendl sort of brought that in. But I think sort of the best overall player who really... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage... Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. They didn't have a weakness. I think just about everybody I played had a weakness somewhere. Um... But I think Beck. I don't think Becker had a weakness. He really, he really didn't. He had massive power, touch. Uh, he's an incredibly tough competitor, uh, and he was very physically, very physical. Um, and he, and you weren't sure where to hit the ball to him. You know, his backhand was as good as his forehand, and his volleys were as good as his serve. Uh, he had the patch where he served a lot of double faults in his career, but he sort of, you know, he sort of got over that. So that was sort of one player I went, you know, and then you'd have him. You know, forty love forty or something like that, and he just served three unreturnables or four unreturnables or five. Boom, 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 boom. That's why they call him Boom Boom, didn't they? You know, for a reason. Or you had you had forty love on your own serve, and even then he didn't feel comfortable because he just smacked two or three winners just from nowhere. And so he's probably the most complete player. Obviously, I've played Federer, played Nadal, and you know, an exhibition match and stuff like that. But it doesn't really count. Uh, you, seeing as you've brought it up, I love the story of you playing Nadal in that exhibition match because weren't you supposed to be playing Boris Becker? Was, yeah. And uh, Boris Becker decided to take himself home for whatever reason. I wasn't there at the time. And uh, instead of an exhibition match against Boris Becker, you ended up yeah. 
playing a young, what, how old would he have been? 17 years old? No, not even. No, it was, yeah, I, Boris played, we played a seniors exhibition in Mallorca and, uh, and Boris pulled out injured and they, they, they said to me, oh, listen, you know, we, it was a, just an exhibition match. The final, I think, was going on later. But um, And they said, we've got this world junior champion. A young guy, and he came in, he had this little sort of bowl haircut then. You know, Raf had this bowl haircut sort of cut across his fringe, a fringe there. And, and I was sort of very nice. He didn't really speak English. And I was talking to whoever it was. It might have been Uncle Tony. I don't know. And I was just saying, oh, hello, you know, we'll have fun. We'll have fun. No problems. And, and you know, we're just hitting the ball up and down the court. And I was, you know, trying a few shots and... And this kid was just running everything down and smashing winners and everything. I'm like, whoa! And much to the amusement of the crowd, he beat me in the first set. And um, they, they were roaring laughing. I thought, well, that's just not actually that funny. Um, <laughs> I better start, you know, playing seriously. So then I sort of, okay, played attacking game, serve volley, chip charge, put him on one of the set six one or something like that, quite easy. And then the, then they play the third set tiebreaker, and yeah, ninety nine. 999,000 out of a million would, would choke at these kids at, at the age of 15. And he just ran everything down and just picked his game up, smashed the ball and, and beat me in the tiebreaker, 10-8 or whatever it was. And, and I sort of came into the locker room afterwards and there was the other the seniors players, I don't know who, who exactly who it was, it was Leconte and Anders Yared was there for sure and I think Borg was there as well. And I, they, I just sort of came in the locker room all sweaty and covered in clay and dirt and... And I looked at them and they just sort of looked up at me and, went, and sort of shook their head and went, oh, you're like, oh, what an embarrassment losing to a 15-year-old kid. And you look like you tried. There's one thing sort of, hey, this is fun, pro-am, trick shots behind the back or whatever. But I was actually trying. And I really kept it quiet for about two years until he won his second French Open at the age of 18. I kept it quiet. <laughs> but yeah, there it was. It was... Uh, it's quite embarrassing at the time, but uh, not so much now. Can, can, when you see a player like Nadal at that age, can you tell? Can oh. you tell this guy is the real deal? Yeah, oh, I, you knew he had something. I mean, I just I sort of looked at him and went, "Wow, this kid's good." You know, he's really this kid's wow. He's something. And they went, "Oh yeah, yeah, whatever." Uh, there's a couple of players you see over the years who are like Agassi. It was one of them uh, for me. Um, I think that was that was an obvious one. Uh, I think Nick Kyrgios is one of the guys who's got. A few that. people have asked about him on Twitter. What what are your thoughts on him and his progression? And and also, from here, where where does he go? What what are the keys to his development from here? Hmm. Um, well, I think he's certainly got the X factor, I and mean, that's the thing. It's that that's something, and it's not talking about singing in front of Simon Cowell, um, singing <laughs> cover songs crappy cover songs to Simon Cowell but anyway let's not get into that um, it's uh, you know he's got he's got power he's got everything Nick and, and he's you know he's moved through whatever he's 40 in the world or 50 in the world um, so he's already made his presence you know I think uh, I think there's plenty of pitfalls out there I think uh, thinking that you've sort of, you, you made it already without putting the hard yards in uh, physically um, you know he's got to keep improving um, and mentally you know he's he's a he's a real entertaining guy but um We've seen a lot of entertaining guys never win a Grand Slam, you know, trick, you know, all sorts of fancy stuff. Immediately it comes to mind is something like Monfils um, and um, Henri Leconte, for that matter. I mean, unbelievably telling and do any shot, any time, and, and have great results, and, and Nick will. But, you know, it's another thing, stepping, winning one Grand Slam where, you know, Kyrgios could be winning, you know, a handful. Um, but, you know, things have got to go right. Uh, so he's got to keep his head on his shoulders, he's got to train, train hard. And, uh, you know, he's got some good guys in the Davis Cup, 
guys, you know, like Pat Rafter, um, Rafter and and Leighton Hewitt, you know, looking after him, and and uh, they'll see the work effort, the workload that they have to he has to put in, and he does, and I think so. I think, yeah, they're, they're some of the pitfalls, getting too big-headed and thinking you made it already. I think, and you know, he's got, he's made millions of dollars already. You know, here he is, at, you know, nineteen, and there's. Um, Bernard Tomic was another classic example, Aussie guy. And he said, well, where's he? We're always saying, where is he now? And he's only 22 or 23 or something, Tomic. And he, he became three as the best junior of all time. Won everything, or just about everything. And, um, you know, he's just, uh, he, he hasn't hasn't put it together, you know, for various reasons. And, and that can easily happen. It's tough on the tennis circuit. One injury, boom. Uh, five years' time, he might be going saying, oh, what happened to that Kyrgios guy? You know, and that's, that, they're the pitfalls. Do you think in, it, there's a case for these players that have a huge match or a huge run, such as Nick Kyrgios had at Wimbledon last year and Bernard Tomic had a couple of times at the Aussie Open where they play a real occasion match and they have all the atmosphere and they experience all the best of tennis, all the best that Grand Slam tennis has to offer all at once. Do you think, Obviously, that's fantastic and in many ways must be a motivating factor. But do you think there's a case for that makes it all the more difficult for them to get back out there, sometimes on the challenger circuit or certainly on the smaller ATP events and to find the motivation to play in front of a few hundred people? I think that's an accusation that could possibly be levelled at Bernard Tomic, isn't it? He struggles struggles with the grind because he's experienced those matches. You get the feeling that if every, if every match was Rod Laver Arena... Mm night match at the Australian Open, <laughs> Bernard Tomic might be world number one, yeah. but it's not. That's yeah. not the tennis, tennis world. No, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, it's, Bernard's a classic case, yeah. He's a big he's a, a big occasion player. He loves the occasion. And, and Nick is like that as well, for that matter. But I'm, I, I think he's, he's got a more level head th- than, than Bernard. Um, and, he, you know, at the moment, he, he's already one of the players to watch. So he's going to be playing on centre courts more often than, than, than not. Um but yeah, you know, I think I think he'll make it. I think he'll be, you know, he could be top ten this year, uh, Bernard. You know, uh, Nick. Um, yeah, I mean, he he really could be. So we'll, we'll see. But I think it's just a matter of time as long as he stays fit. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's Nick Kyrgios. A couple of other final thoughts before we uh, let Pat go, and he has to limber up. You see, ahead of the big match tonight, don't you, Pat? Oh my goodness, it takes me half an hour. It's it's a fine line between warmed up and worn out now. I've <laughs> noticed that very very much. So I warm up, but if I warm up too much, and I'm like I'm exhausted even to play a doubles match. But there you go. That's what happens when you're a grandpa. That's, I'm allowed now. We have a in a, in the new year. Leighton Hewitt and Roger Federer are going to play an exhibition match using short sets. Mm. Do you think that sort of thing is something for for tennis to look at in the future? There's a you know we're always talking how do we maybe improve the game? Obviously, a fantastic game as it is, but are there any things like that that you would advocate? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a bit of that stuff in Australia. Australia have gone mad on this short sets stuff, uh, up to four, so uh, sets to four. Um, no ads, that sort of stuff. And it's a, it's, a, it's the 2020, isn't it? People have seen what's happened in 2020 in cricket and said, wow, this is the way to go. Uh, initially, when I sort of heard that Federer is going to announce it, whatever, I mean, they, they've tried it before. Um, initially, I just went, nah. This, the, the tennis format is absolutely fantastic, the way it is. It's it's a challenge. It's, uh, you know, I love, I love test matches. You know, I, I, I just don't watch 2020. I'm sorry. I just don't watch it. It's just a bit of guys going out there slogging the ball, you know, swinging away, not using a technique. I just like the challenge of, you know, and that's why I like Grand Slams and five sets of Grand Slams. That's why I'd like to see the women 
playing five sets because they they can they're uh, they're certainly fit enough and you know it's a real real challenge and you're playing for millions of dollars. Um, but having said that, I thought well actually yeah any any sort of format change format makes tennis more exciting is good. I love the team tennis thing. I love team tennis, um, which is what they're playing in Asia now. And I just played in India. I played the Indian. Um, Champions Tennis League there, which was which was great. You know, I had I I had uh, uh, Baghdadis on my team and an Indian player and, and Radvanska as and so we played seniors mixed doubles. I only played the I only played the old guys, but you know we played against Venus Williams and Martina Hingis and it was unbelievably exciting. I mean, really was the one they do the one they're doing in Asia is just a little bit longer and it seems to be the matches aren't quite as as close. Um, but you can see that there's a real, there's got, there's something to it. I think, and Billie Jean King has been great at, at promoting, keep pushing her, her team tennis idea, and she's doing a big event here on Sunday with, with Elton John fundraiser, because Elton's always been a great supporter of it. Uh, and she's right. I think one of the things tennis is missing because it's such an individual sport is actually that camaraderie. And when a kid comes to a tennis club, they want to sign up and be involved in a team. And that's why we play soccer and we play other sports and netball. Girls play netball and why play Aussie Rules and all that sort of stuff. And and when I was growing up, you know, we came to the tennis club. And we stayed there all day. We played and we played teams event. We played. I played in the morning. The mixed doubles with the guys and then uh, with the girls and the guys later in the afternoon. And I just hung around the club. It was great fun. We had I developed friendships forever. And now you go to the club. I'm not saying all of them, but you know, you got you know your, the parents there and they're you know, it's it's just not quite the not quite the same. Get, my mum used to just drop us off and say, okay, off you go. I'll pick you up in the afternoon, and it was safe as well. And uh, you know, away we went. So that that camaraderie, that team thing, is is not quite there in tennis. And so any new formats, I think, is is quite welcome. If you can get an afternoon where you can play two or three matches, like this short tennis, uh, I think it might it might work. Um, so initially, I went nut. Nah, I like the tradition tradition stuff, and I think there's definitely a place for it. But you know, I think there might be a place for the short stuff as well. Well, certainly, it has the the camaraderie at the international tennis premier league has certainly come across in all the pictures we've seen the video that we've seen the players hanging out together and on the sidelines i suppose in a sport that is so typically individual that this is a bit of a breath of fresh air isn't it mm, yeah uh, yeah we don't often play you know davis cup or fed cup as once or twice a year or you know a bit more if you're, if you're lucky to be in a good team um but you know most of us grow up playing at some some form of team sports or involved in team a school thing or what, whatever it happens to be tug of war for that matter <laughs> you know whatever it happens to be uh you you're with your, your mates and your, your bunk off school or whatever whatever happens to be you go to the movies um so you know we're naturally as humans we want to get together and hang out but uh tennis is very individuals more so now because you're isolated from your you have your own teams which i suppose i can be blamed for in 1987 i had my, really the first original team uh, with a physio and my trainer and my psychologist, well, I was all there trying to be, and it proves that you, you know that it works. But what that also means is that you go out with your team and you hang out with your team and you wake up in the morning with your team and you go to practice court with your team and you don't hang out like like uh, as much. Uh, you know, I had my team part time, um, and the rest of the time I used to hang out with the boys and you know Aussies and whatever, and go to dinner and or. Turn up to a turn up to a hotel and see the guys. Hey, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Look, I learned this new song on the guitar. You know, oh great. Oh look, I'm going to practice. I'll see you. You know, we're going to have dinner and we'll teach me the new song. You know, and I used to pop up to McEnroe's room or some of the other guys, Vetus Gerolitis and whatever, and they used to learn a new song. You know, some of Ozzy Osbourne songs and Guns and Roses and all this sort of stuff, or 
classic stuff for the Stones, you know, she'd teach us those songs. And we used to hang out and make a whole lot of noise in there and travel with little speakers and all that sort of all that sort of stuff. So it was that's where we used to hang out. So we and these are the guys we're hanging out with now as sort of friends, but it's not quite the same anymore. And that team the team team tennis format is is uh, is really ex- it's quite exciting. Well, I mean, Rafa and Roger might be up, up in their rooms. If I don't then think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not sure. I thought Roger's missus would allow him to allow him to hang out with anybody, would he? <laughs> I know he's got to go home and change the nappies. He's got two sets of twins now. Absolutely responsibility. Actually, no, no, no more nappies. The older ones, they're out of nappies now. But anyway, <laughs> the younger ones, they're the boys. Well, Pat Cash, it has been a pleasure to have you with us on the Tennis Podcast. Catherine Whitaker has got her hand in the air. She's got one quick question she wants to ask. Well, the most important question of the day. You mentioned the you're sitting on the fence, your big decision about who to support in the 2001 Wimbledon final. I've got a, I've got a bigger decision for you. There's going to be a big match on Saturday morning. I don't know if you've heard about it in the uh, in the press. Law v Whitaker oh, is taking place Saturday one. morning on this very court. Who are you supporting, Pat? Oh, I, I saw. I, I didn't realise that's what it was about. I saw the, the headlines of the newspapers. Um, <laughs> I didn't realise it was you guys. I thought Law Whitaker. I thought, oh, who's this Whitaker guy? He's broken the law. You know, I just assumed it was. I don't know. I, I think I'll come out there and, and uh, what, what? When is it? Saturday morning. Yeah, Saturday morning. Have you got? Oh. Have you got any tips, Pat? Oh. Uh, Saturday. I'll be at a pro am. I've been doing a pro am. I'll be hitting with the sponsors. So I just had to wish you guys the best of luck. And, and uh, remember, on the line is out. <laughs> I don't think he's given either of us any tips, Catherine. He doesn't want to choose between us. No, too busy sitting on the fence to give us any tips. <laughs> You're going down. Thanks very much, Pat Cash, the 1987 Wimbledon champion, for joining us here on the tennis podcast at the Statel Masters Tennis Tournament at the Royal Albert Hall. It is here until Sunday. Do Try and get tickets and come and see Pat Cash against John McEnroe tomorrow night if you can. Otherwise, it is live on ITV4 in the United Kingdom from Friday night. And we'll be back with more guests here on the Tennis Podcast for the remaining days of this event. And we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much, sir. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 